This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. Our show is all about the mobile tech world. Of course, apps rule that. So everything from smartphones to tablets to your computer, even TVs and cars. So we, we cover all of that. And also the latest in uh, the mobile technology world. What are the best smartphones and uh, how mobile tech is affecting our lives. In today's show, later on, we'll uh, be chatting about the best iPads to look at. And can they be a laptop replacement? You'd be surprised. Uh, we'll also be talking about QR codes. They're everywhere <laughs> in everything we do. The code that never dies. No, I remember back in 2010 or even earlier. Yeah. You know, we had clients coming to us. We need to have QR codes. I'm like, why? Because <laughs> there was no QR code readers. No. No, you had to get a special app. Yeah. To scan this. It wasn't just built into your smartphone camera. Yeah. 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 Weird, eh? Yeah. Very strange. But it's interesting. So QR code's like a type of barcode. Yeah, a fancy barcode. Yeah. Didn't you tell me where barcodes came from? Yeah. The train system. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Because there was a simple way for them to read at high speed what's on that particular train car. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Where these things come from. Yeah. And then they, that from the train system, the guy that created them, he got into the grocery business. Yeah. And now it's on everything. Yeah. And now we have QR codes that rule our lives on vaccination passports to restaurant menus. Do you remember, wasn't it Microsoft that had their own version of QR codes? Probably, yeah. I can't remember what it was called. It was some weird version of it that was in full color. Oh, we got to look that up. Yeah. That'll be another show. Okay, let's uh, take a look at uh, some of the uh, the news uh, today, John, in the, the mobile world. I think the big thing over the past couple of weeks would have to be Facebook. Yeah. And Meta. Right. We didn't really cover it in last week's show, but what are your thoughts here? So Facebook has renamed itself, or the parent company anyway, Meta. There's still Facebook. There's still WhatsApp and Instagram, which are all owned by the same company. But now Meta is like the overriding parent. Right. And that is to imply that their mandate is to build the metaverse. And they've set aside $10 billion to do that. So we've talked about the metaverse on this program. Yeah. We've had some guests on. It's still, it's a hard concept to wrap your head around. Yeah. But it's essentially the next evolution of the internet, or so they want it to be. Well, when you think about what you do on Facebook, what you do on Instagram, what you do on TikTok, you consume content, you, you interact with your friends, your family, strangers. You buy things. You buy things. Yep. That's what they're trying to do is they're trying to create a, a, a better place for us to do that. That maybe has in an ideal world, a lot of the problems that the current versions of these things have taken care of. <laughs> yes. Well, Facebook's done such a, a great job so far. <laughs> so let's, let's let them create the next version of the internet. Well, and that's that was what we were kind of expecting is that they were going to rebrand everything to this new company name. Yeah. Just to distance themselves from the stink of what Facebook is and has been in the past. No, there'll still be stinky Facebook, right? <laughs> like that's not going anywhere. No, no. No, but so the metaverse is like a virtual world. Yeah. You'll access it virtually like with 3D or sorry, uh, virtual glasses or augmented reality glasses. 
Yeah, that's the thing that's still to be determined is how are we going to interact with this? Because yeah. the technology isn't quite there yet to be mainstream. It's intensive, right? Because it's going to be very graphical. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we'll have to have the the power in whatever devices that we're viewing it on. Yeah. And we're going to have to have the bandwidth, like the internet connections to pump that, that yeah. data through, right? Yeah. And the battery life too for these devices too. Oh, yeah. Like if you're going to be walking around in the world with augmented reality glasses... Do you have have a giant battery in your backpack? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you will. Yeah, my my favorite way to explain the metaverse to people is just to either read the book or watch the movie Ready Player One. Yeah, it gives you a good idea of what this immersive world could be like. Yep. The movie was uh, directed by Steven Spielberg, and I thought it was pretty faithful to the book. Yep. Uh, the book is fantastic, though, uh, Ernest Klein, and it gives you a good idea of what kinds of interaction will happen in this world. Imagine going to school in the metaverse where you're not allowed to play games. You're not allowed to text your friends. Mm-hmm. Like everything is controlled and you're just focused on interacting with the teacher or your other students. Yeah. And that's, that's what this promises to be, right? But we're a ways off, don't you think, John? I think so, yeah. Well, the thing is, it just needs a killer app or a killer piece of hardware to really sell this, right? Yeah. Could you imagine if you could just buy regular glasses that had a display that sucked you into that world? that had really great battery life and visually looked amazing. Yeah, right now it'd be like two, 12 minutes, right? It'd be Atari. It'd yeah. Be, <laughs> yeah. How, how long do you think we're away from anything meaningful? Like I'm thinking 10, 20 years. Uh, I, I'm, I'm thinking maybe more like five. You think? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. don't forget too, like Apple and Google, Meta slash Facebook, a lot of big companies are putting a lot of money into this space because they know if they get there first and they get it right, they're set. It's true. It's true. I mean, they've already, they're going to put 10 billion in. They've already bought Oculus, yeah. which is uh, the virtual reality headset company. Yeah. I forget how many billions they spent on that years ago. Uh, and I remember when I heard that, I'm like, I thought, what are they doing? But they obviously had this planned out. I think so. Yeah. Clearly, it makes total sense For now. a long time, they've had this planned out. Yeah. Mark Zuckerberg probably read Ready Player One and like, that's it? <laughs> that's us? Did you see the announcement when he, the no. name changed? No. He just doesn't have the charisma that <laughs> anyone else has. Yeah. Well, that's not his job is to be the Mr. Charis- charismatic guy. It's to well, be- it kind of is. It, I mean, well, yeah, but that's not his primary job is to give presentations. No. Okay, some of the other uh, news we're uh, looking uh, at uh, today. Ryan Reynolds, he has a, a company down the U.S. called Mint Mobile. It's a cell company that he's partners in, and he's trying to bring it to Canada. Yeah, we've talked about this before, and it's a really great premise. Essentially, you don't, uh, basically, you just pay one flat fee. I think it's $25 in the U.S., and you have unlimited everything. And it's really simple, And but the problem is, MVNOs, that's a mobile virtual network operator, aren't allowed in Canada. No. So that means that Mint Mobile can't set up unless they buy Spectrum, unless they do all the things that we've talked about. Yes. It's a massive, massive investment. Yeah. That's why we don't have more carriers here. Yeah, because they can't afford to. No. Or if they do get into the market, they get bought up by the big guys. So he's taken out an, uh, a big billboard uh, in Toronto at uh, Dundas Square, which is kind of like the Times Square of Canada, basically asking, why not Mint? And encouraging people to talk to their 
local MPs. Yeah. No, I think it's a great idea. Um, and the thing is, part of it is the awareness. And if enough people, hey, I want this in my country, maybe it'll change. And, you know, Ryan's a pretty charismatic person. Maybe he should stand in for Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah. Get him to do all the Facebook announcements. Yeah. I don't think you'd want that. No. Uh, Amazon Music launches its first true podcast featuring synced transcripts. Yeah, I thought this was kind of cool. Why? Well, you can read along. Uh, As you're listening. Well, sometimes you want to sort of, like, what did they say? Like, yeah. What was that term or what that phrase? Or you want to maybe copy and paste something from Maybe later. we need to do this with our podcast. Maybe we should. What is Mike saying? What is John saying? Yeah, that's kind of interesting. So you listen to the podcast and you can read along at the same time. Yeah. Maybe you can't listen and you can just read. Yeah. So. Kind of. Kind of cool. Yeah. It's kind of a neat. Kind of a neat feature, right? Yeah. Uh, also in the news, uh, Google News is relaunching in Spain after mandatory payments to the newspapers are scrapped. So this is an ongoing thing around the world. Google News um, basically taking everyone's news and not paying for it. Yeah, because they're aggregating it. Yeah. Right. And so all these local news places are dying because everyone's just going to Google News and reading their news for free. Essentially. Yeah. And none of the ad spaces is being used by the local people. It's all the Google ads. Yeah. So uh, Google shut down its Google News platform in Spain in 2014 after the country decided uh, that Google should cough up monthly fees to Spanish papers. Uh, but now uh, Google's saying they're returning to Spain early next year after the country's overhauled its online copyright laws in line with EU regulations. But they should pay, don't you think? Yeah, I do. Yeah. It gets messy, though, because at what point, you know, like we talk about lots of blog posts all the time. Yeah. Do we have to pay The Verge every time we mention one of their stories? Y yeah, but, uh, yeah. I guess if you're making money on it, right? Oh. We're not making a lot of money. <laughs> Taking this show. We get paid in Canadian tire money. Exactly. Okay, we're going to have to take a break. When we come back, so much uh, more to talk about here on uh, the App Show. Uh, including a really interesting topic. Should uh, workers have the right to turn off all their devices at five o'clock and not have their, their work bug them anymore? Back after this. You are back with the App Show. Mike and John here. Uh, came across uh, an interesting uh, article recently, John, and this has come up before. Uh, Ontario workers could soon be able to ignore their boss's emails, posts, uh, emails after work hours so they wouldn't have to respond. And that's kind of a, an interesting thing to think about in this connected world today because you're answering my emails <laughs> after work. Yeah, and your yeah. slacks and your texts. Yes. And your yeah. calls. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think it really depends on your relationship with your, with your employer. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure not everyone has a relationship like you and I do as far as how we do our work and how we create our shows and stuff like that. So um, it's really interesting to know that you can literally check out at five o'clock or whatever time your normal day ends. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. I mean, we have an interesting company. We do the TV show and radio show. We also have an agency, like an ad agency side uh, as well. And, you know, our customers are emailing and, and messaging us into the, into the night. Yeah. And so they kind of almost expect that you're getting back to them in a timely fashion. But it's interesting too, though, how some people will separate things 
like I know for me, I separate my work email from my personal email. I don't have them all going into one big thing. Oh, you don't, eh? No. Okay. No, partly so that I know. Maybe my work is my personal life. <laughs> well, well, there's that, yeah. Um, but you know, having that separation is, is really important for that work-life balance for a lot of people. Um, and knowing that you can turn off notifications at a certain time. And, and now most of these phones and apps that we're using, you have the ability to schedule that type of stuff to turn off yeah. or at least ignore those apps after a certain point in time. Um, but I also think, like I said before, it really depends on the type of work that you do and the relationship you have with, not just with your boss, but also with your clients or your customers or whomever you're interacting with. Yeah, your peers yeah. that you work with. Uh, but I'm just wondering, John, has technology fundamentally just changed the way we work? And I say this because in our company, there's a lot of flexibility. Do you know what I mean? Like people mm -hmm. can do a dentist appointment and, and everything, or they need to go get groceries during the day. Do you know what I mean? Like we're yeah. kind of open to that. Yeah. And is there an expectation that they're, I guess, accessible outside of that, outside of work hours? Maybe, but I'm just wondering if there's give and take. Well, I think there is, right? Yeah. Like, like I said, it really depends on the type of role that you have. Because I think not... I'm positive not every workplace is as flexible as we are here. Yeah. And also the type of work that's being done isn't as flexible, right? I, yeah, I think maybe maybe this would apply more to companies that have like really strict nine to five yeah. business hours. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Without much flexibility yeah. around that. Like, I, yeah, I could see, yeah, I'd want to switch off <laughs> at, at five o'clock. But I think for some workplaces, including ours, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, um, you know, there is flexibility in what we're doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. can come in at 10 or 11. Yeah. And like, but at night, so just be honest with me right now. Like how much, am I b bombarding you with messages at night? No. 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 Usually it's something that's urgent that's got to be dealt with before we even get up in the morning. Yeah. So, or instead of going to the studio, we have to go to location or something like that. Exactly. Like, so something has changed. Um, so I don't find it annoying, but I could imagine though, if you're being bombarded by a boss and the type of work you do, that could be really annoying. Or if you have to get a report out for somebody, you know, and you've actually done that to me. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> but I don't do that that often. No, no, no. But so this legislation they're talking about in Ontario would apply to companies with 25 or more employees and, uh, the companies would be required to adopt disconnecting from work policies, which could include expectations regarding email response time and also encouraging employees to switch on the out of office uh, messaging on your email when they mm -hmm. leave. Yeah. Well, like I said at the beginning, it's kind of like the work life balance because some of the other things they're talking about with this legislation is they should uh, allow people to do more than just their job. So, yeah. for example, if they are parents yep. so you need to take care of you know child care situations they might volunteer for a local charity or something like that yeah right? sometimes that is part of your job and you're allowed to do some of those things because you're sort of representing the company but sometimes people do that just for the goodness of their heart to do that uh, yeah I, I wonder like is this a it's hard for me right because i'm used yeah. to our situation yeah but is this a big problem out there I, i'd love to hear from the listeners you know go to our website and let us know like do you want to turn off at five o'clock? Is it a problem in your workplace? Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is because it's not just email, right? Like it's Slack, it's text messaging, it's yeah. whatever uh, messaging platform your office use or your company uses. Yeah. Um, and I, I've even seen some cases where people will Facebook message 
other people yes. at work. <laughs> and they're not even friends on Facebook because that's the only messaging pl- platform that that person will respond to. Yeah. Right? So at what point are you infringing on my privacy by hassling me over Facebook Messenger about work? Yeah, it's interesting. I have to say that I've run into this a little bit, but it was more from younger employees. Right. And they, you know, why do I have to answer emails at nine o'clock at night? Right. And I'm like, well, like you don't have to, but I do give you a lot of freedom, <laughs> like on your hours outside of that. Well, well, sometimes you have to weigh it too, because if that response is needed at nine o'clock at night, yeah, or you're not going to actually do anything with that response until 8 a.m. the next morning, yeah, right? So could that email wait until the morning to be replied to? Yeah, but I, I always like, like to think anyway, uh, and you know, tell the employees, like if you feel you need to make up time, because you've done something late at night, had to work on something or answering, you know, calls from the UK or India or whatever. Yeah. Like take some time off. Yeah. So I, 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 I think this is a little bit of a utopian situation. I think a lot of businesses aren't quite as flexible as this. Yeah. And I know certainly certain like a union environment, for example, would yeah. not be that flexible. Yeah. Right. That's a whole, <laughs> whole, whole like, other yeah. ball game. Right. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, I can see like if you've got some really standardized hours. Yeah, I get it. You know, you work nine to five, you put your time in and yeah, you'll want to shut off. Yeah. But if you do have a more flexible work environment, yeah. then I just think this is a, a moot conversation, but it's interesting that the government thinks they need to legislate this. So yeah. they must be getting feedback from, Absolutely, from yeah. people. And this will be the first of this type of legislation to pass in Canada too. So this will be probably looked upon by other provinces. Okay, we're gonna have to take another break. When we come back, more Tech to Talk, stay tuned. You're back with the program. Mike and John here. Well, uh, I think I'm probably getting sick of QR codes now. Uh, (laughs) During the pandemic, everything is around QR codes, whether it's a restaurant menu to get into the restaurant, you name it. It's the code that wouldn't die. The code that wouldn't die. Well, uh, with the QR code uh, comes questions of privacy and, you know, what does this hold for the future? Not only for, you know, vaccination passes, but workplaces uh, as well. You know, in, in our workplace, we've got 30 people that work here. You know, we've had to institute a policy of people coming back and, you know, they've got to be able to show their vaccination card and that. We've got uh, a great guest on the line. His name is Mir Haas. He is the CEO of uh, Eagle. They're a company that helps uh, companies uh, with just this uh, issue. Thanks for joining us today, Amir. Absolutely. Thanks, John. Thanks, Mike. It's, it's great to be here. So uh, like we were saying, QR codes are a part of life now to get into just about uh, anywhere. Uh, Your company actually helps uh, businesses uh, with this type of thing, uh, you know, for employees, but also visitors and and, and things like that. One of the questions we're starting to get now is just the whole privacy aspect of of this. You know, uh, we have to have these QR codes. Like what kind of information are we giving up? Like what should we be wary of? I mean, great, great question, John. Um, and and, and I, I'm not a I'm not a privacy officer, but but uh, as an executive working with with uh, a lot of large enterprises across uh, U.S. and Canada, so we went through a lot of uh, business practices, and and so this is this really uh, one of the best practices uh, that that we see um, from from privacy perspective. Uh, you or, or that ent- enterprises want to capture the the the, the the, the least amount of information from whatever that information that from whatever entry that that employee visitor or contractor are entering the system right uh, and they want to try to limit that to 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 the name maybe employee ID or maybe uh, 
in regard to vaccine if it's just vaccinated or not right so there are there are different way to approach that but really really the best practice being to to limit that to if that individual is vaccinated or not and disregarding the type of vaccine the date of that or anything beyond that so the less information the better obviously for citizens in, uh, in general absolutely absolutely one, one is that the, the the other thing is that uh, 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 collecting information that is not traceable to that individual name or personal information. For example, if in case of monitoring employees, if, if there is a policy in place for that enterprise to collect vaccine pass, uh, the way they collect it is that they just tie that to uh, employee access card. So uh, the system only know that the owner of that vaccine, the, the owner of that access card is vaccinated, not knowing who owns that that uh, that uh, access card. So really tie that vaccine information and vaccine information, I mean, yes or no, vaxxed or unvaxxed to that access card number. So so when you look at from 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 a contractor or employee perspective or a technology provider perspective, that's not traceable to that employee as an individual. It's interesting. Uh, obviously, you're seeing a lot more of this now with companies. Um, uh, you know, you're already looking after their entry points. Uh, you know, with magnetic cards or these QR codes. Uh, are many of them tying in the vaccination? Uh, you know, vaxxed or unvaxxed to that? Um, yes. Again, uh, corporation have 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 different policies, and and uh, they have the right to have different policies as long as it is in compliance with provincial and federal regulation. Uh, but yes, so majority of them are tying that to to access card, um, and 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 that's been a that's been an easiest way to both comply with the privacy and also keep that whole process automated and touchless. And also, access card are something that every employee is pretty comfortable with, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. But so initially, they would have to uh, let the employer know or show or prove that they're vaccinated or, or unvaccinated. And then that information, so, you know, yes or no gets entered into the system. Um, it is. Uh, it is. Um, but but you had a... Uh, you had Carrie Bowman a couple of months ago in uh, in your show. Yeah, uh, he made a good point. He said that security or reception person sitting at the at the entrance, he's not meant or she's not meant to do that job of vaccine verification. Right. Yeah. The whole point of deploying technology is to eliminate that individual, not just because it's not his or her work. It's just to keep her his and safe, safe as well yeah. from from exposure. Right. Yeah. So so. So really, the, the work of the, the job of technology here is to make that whole process automated, including capturing and collecting or attesting the vaccine card, and then integrating that or tie that to access control. So, um, in our case, is uh, if that employee or individual is tech savvy, they can upload it to a to a through a web app, right? Yeah. But if they are not tech savvy. Uh, or they don't have phone, or they don't want to use their phone for corporate purposes. They can simply go to one of those standing in, at the at the entrance and simply show that paper-based QR code, uh, paper-based vaccine pass. Could be QR code, could be that email that you got from government when you got vaccinated to our system, and the system only captures the name and yeah. verify that this is a legit vaccine pass. Yeah, and that's it, and it captures it. So. Really, our, our job is to eliminate that person to 
that individual to also control the vaccine card um, at the point of entries. And with that, that access card will will be um, uh, activated as a vaxxed individual uh, for future use. And I think that's a, a key point, though, because not everyone coming into your establishment is going to be an employee. You could have guests and other people that may or may not have the proper credentials, but they should have a vaccine passport, at least going forward. Then the catapult shoots them out of the building if they're not <laughs> they're not vaccinated. Well, I mean, it's interesting, and I, I can see why uh, a lot of people are concerned about this, because it's looking like um, vaccinations and our overall wellness going into these facilities um, is going to be kind of uh, an ongoing thing in the future, really. Um, yes, it is. It is. And if, and if you look at it, um, there's always a way for, for ONVAX. So, so the way, the way we see that, especially in Canada, uh, with corporate, with corporation and enterprises making a much more moderate approach compared to us and not making it mandatory. Right. So, uh, so they only use this vaccine, uh, pass as a mechanism to understand the risk for business continuity, right? So they need to understand what portion of employees are vaxxed and what portion of employees are not vaxxed, not because it is mandatory, just because they want to measure their risk. And 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 and, and that's, that's, that's the main reason that we are seeing that they are collecting that pass, right? Um, and, and to make sure that they have enough uh, measures in place to keep that workplace safe and have the business going. We're talking with Amir Haas. He's the CEO of a company called Eagle. They uh, help uh, companies uh, institute entry systems. Uh, you know, you know the cards and QR codes uh, to get into offices, uh, essentially. So it's uh, been a fascinating talk. Uh, where can people get more information about uh, what you do, Amir? Um, absolutely. So um, our website. Uh, we recently had a, a interesting webinar with with Glenn Gale on, on, of IBM Watson and, and Susan Woodbridge of Telos Global Health about this whole topic of privacy and, and vaccine pass. And I really encourage people to watch that webinar as well. Thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you very much, John. When we Bye. come back from the break, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You are back with the App Show. Mike and John here. Can open up the viewer or should I say, sorry, listener <laughs> mailbag. We get all sorts of questions. And if you've got tech questions for us and uh, want us to answer them on air, go to our website, getconnectmedia.com. So this one uh, is about iPads. Yes. So basically we had uh, one of our listeners uh, ask us, what's her name, Heather? Heather. Uh, she's, question. she's looking to purchase a new iPad and she's wondering what, in our opinion, is the best one to get. And this is something we get asked all the time. Yeah. I love iPads because I use one now all the time and I've got a great snap-on keyboard for it and it's my laptop. Yeah. And so there's a, there's a number of different versions of these things. So they start around the $400 mark. Yeah. And that's the basic one. I think they're up to the eighth generation now. Yeah, eighth or ninth. I think. Somewhere up there. Yeah. And so it's around $400. you are going to have to get the keyboard and get the smart connector one. Well... If that's important to you. I th- yeah. I don't have a keyboard. No, but you you use your Mac laptop all the time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's, I don't use it as a laptop replacement like you do. But you can. like So my parents used to have an all-in-one Windows desktop computer, and I got my dad an iPad with the keyboard. Loves it. Doesn't use that desktop computer anymore. Yeah. Because he can just take that iPad anywhere. He's got yeah. the, he's got the, key, uh, the key, keyboard, which acts as a cover for it as well. 
and it's the magnetic one. So you don't have to Bluetooth pair it or anything. It just snaps on and works right away. Yeah. And it's fast, right? Because you just basically turn it on and it's instant. Everything's instant. Whereas like on the Windows desktop, he was always loading things and things were crashing all the time. Well, and you can't really get viruses or malware or anything like that on an iPad. Yeah. So your tech support for that aspect of the equation is zero. Yeah. So there's there's obviously versions up from there, right? So the base model is about 400, 429, somewhere in there. Uh, the keyboard's about 129, I think. Yeah, and you can get cheaper keyboards. That yeah, Logi- Logitech has some good ones too. Yeah. Uh, so the next one up would be the iPad Air, yeah. which you have and you love. I love it, yeah. Well, actually, probably the next one up would be the Mini, the new Mini. Yeah. It's sort of just before the iPad Air price point. It's actually my personally favorite form factor. Yeah. Because it's so compact. It's like having a, like a small magazine, basically, when you have it in a case. Yeah. It's uh, compatible with the, the, the second generation pencil. Mm-hmm. So you get all that functionality. Um, yeah. The, you just kind of snap it on magnetically and it charges the pencil. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that iPad, iPad mini as well. So the iPad Air is obviously a bigger form factor. Just, just a slightly bigger screen. But the, the Mini and the Air, the two versions that are out right now, the latest versions, they're almost identical physically, Yeah, just different sizes. Yes. Um, they've got the nice rounded edges, the flat, yeah. flat rounded, or flat sides, I should say. And, and they are more powerful than the base model. Way more powerful. Yeah. yeah. But it, I mean, it depends what you're doing with it, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're going to be doing some gaming and you're going to be doing graphics and video editing work, you probably want to go up to the Air or the Pro. Yeah, the the interesting thing though, I think the the base model is kind of bulky, whereas the the Air and the Mini feel like a slender, slimmer version of that. Yeah, um, that is more powerful. Um, but if you're just surfing and watching YouTube or maybe Netflix, it probably won't matter which one you choose. Yeah. But I'm trying to think, what other applications would you use an iPad for that would require the more horsepower? Like the one big thing that we we know some people at work here that they like to illustrate on their iPads. Yeah. So there's a lot of programs like Procreate or Affinity Designer where you're designing graphics and stuff like that with a pencil and it's fantastic. It's almost as good, if not better, than having pencil crayons and a piece of paper. It's really cool. Like my son is using Procreate now and he used to draw it with pencil all the time, but he just loves the iPad now. Yeah. And and he's just as good on that. And the really cool thing about those particular programs is typically you can like time-lapse record your your drawings. Yeah. So you have this really cool sort of record of your thought process of how you got from a blank canvas to a beautiful drawing. <laughs> In my case, a stick man. Yeah, well. Yeah, that'd be about 30 seconds long. So, okay, so they got the base iPad around 400, uh, probably about another 100, 150 for the keyboard. iPad Airs, what are they up at? Uh, eight or nine. Eight or 900. And yeah. so then they have the iPad Pros. Yeah. They look a lot like the iPad Airs, but they just have more powerful processors in them. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's, a, it's the equivalent to the iPhone 12 or 13, basically, yeah. as far as processing power. So those are more for really high end. Yeah drawing and graphics and, and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, th- there's just so many different applications for it. Depends what you're interested in. I got the, uh, my iPad Air for music production. Yeah. Because there's, there's literally thousands of different apps you can get for creating music, synthesizers, uh, all kinds of different things. But there's also like the gaming is really big on tablets now too. Yeah. 
I say get the keyboard. I know you don't, but you use your MacBook all the time. So yeah. that's a whole other thing. Pencil. It, so it's not just for drawing, but for taking notes. Like if you're a student, it's amazing because you can just draw yeah. and take notes right on the screen and even have them transcribed. That, that was what surprised me. I have horrible handwriting. Yes. And it can transcribe my writing perfectly. It's, it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And the nice thing is if you're in the Apple ecosystem, it just... It syncs across all your devices too, right? So you yeah. take, the, take the notes on that iPad. You can look them up on your iPhone, on your Mac. Yeah. It's kind of cool. It is very cool. So what would you recommend to this listener? Well, she didn't say... I guess budget. Yeah, I think it boils down to budget because there's literally something on almost you know every $100 price point. Yeah. It also depends on accessories. You want to get a case as well. So you know the case keyboard combo or you want the smart magic keyboard ones. Um I think it just really depends on what your actual application is. If you're just going to be watching Netflix, browsing the web and sending emails and maybe, you know, social media, you can get the base model. Yeah. Because, you know, for the price of the base model, you can get two of the base models for the price of the yeah, iPad Air. The the Air or the Pro, right? Yeah. So it just depends on what you're using it for. Yeah. Um the 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 base model is still a fantastic device and it's honestly way better than most of the inexpensive laptops you see out there. Oh, yeah, like the Windows laptops? Yeah. 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 It'll last longer. It's faster. It's more portable. The only thing I wish the base model did is got rid of the lightning connector. Yeah. Because all the other models, they're all using USB-C now. Yeah, it's a small thing. Yeah. Essentially. Okay, we're going to have to take another break. When we come back, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You are back with the program. Mike and John here. Don't forget to hit our website getconnectedmedia.com. We've got lots of uh, great videos and blogs up there all about the tech world, little tips and uh, tricks. And we always have contests going. Uh, We've got a a big one uh, coming up uh, as well. So uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, Quickly, if you are on an iPhone, you can actually get your vaccination card into Apple Wallet now. Super easy. All you need to do is upgrade to iOS 15.1. And you have to do that, 15.1. Yeah. It just came out recently, and uh, you need to have your, your QR code somewhere else so your iPhone can actually capture it. So either email it to your friend or print it out. Or put it on another computer or yeah. just somewhere else so you can scan it with your smartphone camera. Just Yeah, the camera app. And it'll take it right into the Apple Health app, and then from there, you have the option to add to your wallet. And if you have an Apple Watch it'll automatically add it to your watch as well. So then now all you have to do is double tap the, the button on your watch or the power button on your iPhone and the vac- vaccination pops up just like your credit card would. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Because that was one of the challenges with the vax card. You had to take a picture. Like I took a picture of it and it's in my photo gallery. Well, I, I, put, I put mine on my lock screen. Yeah. But the problem is I always have notifications that are covering it up. Yes. So it takes me a minute just to clear all the notifications so I can have a clear vaccination card to be scanned. So again, if you're an iPhone user, upgrade to the latest version of iOS. It's 15.1. If you don't, this won't work. Uh, Turn on the camera and scan your Vax card. Obviously, if you've got it on your phone already, you can't scan it. So you'll have to print it out or get it onto another phone or computer. Once you do that, It'll go into your health app, and from there, you can add it to the Apple Wallet. And like you said, John, once that's done, it's awesome because you just hit the power button, and up comes the wallet where your Vax card is. Yeah. 
So it just makes life easier. Way easier. want to thank all the folks that helped put the show together, including John Beeler, my co-host, and also Christina Stoyanova and the rest of the folks back at the studio. We'll see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.